Welcome to our latest data protection tea break. I'm Kirsty Bogor. When we talk about data protection, we use certain phrases and expressions that are probably unfamiliar to people who don't live and breathe the subject the way the staff at the ODPA do. Among these are the names of the different data protection roles. In fact, we often hear people refer to themselves as being controllers and processors. But as I'm just learning, it's not the person that is the controller or processor, but the organisation itself. There's a distinct difference between the two, and it's important to get it right, especially when it comes to legal responsibility. Luckily, I work with those in the know, so now is my chance to clear up, once and for all, the difference. Today I'm joined by Rachel Masterton, Deputy Commissioner of Guernsey's Office of the Data Protection Authority. Hi Rachel, thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. So it's clearly important that we get this right, the distinction between the role of processor and controller. But before we get to that difference, can you try and explain to me why it's not correct for people to think that they are the controller or the processor? Of course, in most part, controllers or processors are terms that are assigned to organisations. The organisation makes the decisions, the organisation is the entity that's legally responsible and so it has one of those roles or in some cases both as we'll go on to discover. Only in very few circumstances is it that an individual would be a controller or a processor and that's most likely when it is the individual on their own as a sole trader that is performing any function, any operations with personal data. Um, but in the most part, the organisation is the controller or the processor and the employees of that organisation work for that organisation and are part of the controller or processor. So they're kind of doing what they're told to do by the organisation? Yes, yes, that's how it works. So something that they do, and if they do something wrong or if they do something right, is attributed to the organisation as a whole, unless in certain circumstances they're acting outside their remit. But that's probably another podcast. So could there be more than one person that's acting for the controller or the processor within an organisation? Yes, there can be. There can be um, different people within organisations making decisions about the processing they do that is attributed to the organisation. So you will have um, policies and procedures set by senior management, by line management, uh, that the organisation and the staff follow, but that all, as I say, comes under the remit of the organisation. So if it's a controller, and we'll talk about what that means, shortly, then that's the organisation's the controller. So just then to mention, because people obviously have to register with us their businesses and their um, trading entities, whatever we want to call them. Mm -hmm. So when they're registering with us, it's not them then that they should be putting down as the name as the controller or the processor? No, when they're registering, it is the name of the organisation generally, as I say, unless they're a sole trader that is the controller there will be contact details on the registration system that are attributed to an individual so that we have the contacts to get in contact with somebody if we need to about any matter. But the organisation is the, the controller. With a sole trader, what if they are have a business or a company name that they work under? Would that mean that it's that company name that they should be classing as the controller or the processor? Yes, indeed. It would be the company name. So plumber perhaps um, who is operating under ABC plumbing rather than Joe Bloggs plumbing or just Joe Bloggs on his own it would be the name of the the organisation that is uh, or the the name of the the company that is the controller. So it's quite important that people understand that isn't it? Yes. It's the organisation. Yeah. 
Thank you. So now I know I'm not a controller or a processor myself. What's the difference then between the two? And I know this is where it does start to get more tricky. It does, yes. A controller is the entity that decides how personal data is going to be processed, for what purpose and and how it's going to be used by an an organisation. It's important to remember a controller doesn't necessarily have to own the data that they're a controller for. Um, We'll talk about that when we get into the relationship between controllers and processors. Um, But the controller would be deciding we want to collect XYZ data for the purposes of staff administration or to operate our business. Uh, and have the control, as the name would suggest, over how that personal data is being processed. A processor is an entity that performs functions on behalf of the controller. So it could be another organisation that is given a role. Uh, The controller itself doesn't do the processing. So um, an example might be um, marketing campaigns. An organisation Um, A controller may decide they want to run a a marketing campaign, they've got a new product, they want to get the message out there. They would potentially hire an agency to do that for them. Uh, They would provide the agency with details about what that um, marketing campaign needs to look like, demographics of who they're targeting, and potentially pass over the data that is being used, the personal data that's being used to disseminate that message or potentially make use of personal data that the agency itself already has, that people have agreed, and can be used to market products to them by that agency. But the processor makes no decisions about how the personal data is going to be used. It's all directed by the controller. So basically the processor is doing what the controller tells them. So the controller, as the name suggests, is in control of that data processing and then the processor just carries it out. Yes, yeah. The processor just does what they're told. There's contracts that um, need to be in place and we'll um, cover those uh, shortly. But in essence, it is just here. This is what we want you to do. And the processor goes ahead and does it. So therefore then, you can be a processor and not a controller? Potentially, for certain batches of information, yes, you will be a processor of that information, but you will not be deciding how that is done. In the marketing example, it would be the organisation that's asking for the campaign that is the controller of that data, but you're a processor, so you can use it, um, but only for what you're instructed to use it for. But there will be some instances then, like, for example, the sole trader, where you could be both the controller and the processor. You could be both a controller and a processor. Not necess- It won't necessarily be for the same data, but you could be a controller of some data, but a processor for other data. So you could have your client lists that you deal with and you're a controller for that data because that is your client list and you're working out how you're going to use that and what you're doing it for. But the other data that you process is under contract. It's somebody else's in um, control of that, is responsible for that, and you are acting in um, that capacity. So what if you're not sure if you're a processor or a controller? How can you determine exactly where you fall within that? We've got guidance on our website that you can refer to, but the first question to ask yourself is, are you, as the organisation, making decisions about how this personal data is going to be used? So are you deciding what you're collecting and are you deciding why you're collecting it? If the answers to those questions are yes, then you're a controller. If you are doing what you are told, then you are a processor of that data. You may have decided you're setting up an organisation that handles payroll. So you've decided you're a payroll provider, but when somebody employs your services as as an organisation, you're doing that as a processor on behalf of the organisation. So outsourcing is a, a typical 
relationship where you've got a controller and a processor. So why is it so important that we are able to distinguish between the two and why do we ask for that distinction? It's important because there are different legal responsibilities depending on which entity you are. The controller has um, a, a greater number of legal responsibilities. There are seven principles within the data protection law and the controller is required to comply with those seven principles. Uh, the controller is required to report data breaches to us. A controller is required to respond to data subject and rights requests that come in, such as subject access requests or rights to re- rectification requests. A processor doesn't have that responsibility. They need to assist the controller in the controller's efforts to achieve compliance with that. And they need to act in accordance with the instructions they've been given. And acting outside of that makes them legally responsible for that processing and of course if you're doing something with data you shouldn't then that could be not a good thing Um, and but you have a lesser degree of responsibility a lesser degree of legal responsibility but it is now possible within the current data protection law for this office to take action involving and against processes where it's felt the processes are not complying with the requirements that the law lays down for them. So they do have a responsibility then to make sure that what they're doing or what they're being asked to do is still legally correct? Yes, they need to um, be sure that they understand how they're to use that data and use it only in that, uh, only under those instructions and to provide assistance to the controller when the controller is looking at compliance also. That is why there are contracts between controllers and processors. So the contracts will lay down the uh, type of information that's being processed how long the relationship is going to be lasting, what the purpose of the processing is, and explain the rights um, of individuals and the duties the controller has and how the processor is going to assist in that. So that contract then is very important, especially for the processor, so that they're absolutely clear what it is they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it. Yes, it is. It's very important to have those contracts in place. It lays down the foundations for the relationship. And if there isn't a contract in place, then it's difficult for either party to demonstrate that they are doing what they're required to do under the law and only acting in accordance with those requirements. So that's the specifics then really between the the contract between the two. Yes, indeed. Um, There are... The the law requires these contracts to be in place and it's outlined um, in the law uh, and in uh, some of our guidance what those contracts need to contain and it's important that it is clear where the legal responsibility lies. Uh, If a processor acts outside those contracts, they become a controller of that data. That might not be correct. That might not be what they're supposed to be using that data for. So you want a contract as a processor that makes it clear what you need to do. As a controller, you want a contract that makes it clear what the the relationship is and where the liabilities start and stop uh, for the processing that is being carried out. So we do have some guidance available on this, is that right? We've got some guidance. Um, The uh, recently ending transition period has meant that there should now be contracts in place where previously there wasn't the need to have contracts. And so there's guidance in our transition um, documentation about the contents of these contracts. But it might be that you add an addendum to an existing contract or you may start a contract again where you are already in a relationship with um, another organisation or alternatively when you're getting, you know, starting a new batch of processing or seeking a new uh, relationship with a, a processor that is the controller you build that contract in. So if you're a processor and you don't think you've got a contract with somebody who is a controller for you, 
what should you do? Uh, we would suggest you go back to the controller and make it clear that you are expecting there to be a contract in place, that you understand that, that there needs to be this contract and that you want the clarification and the, the certainty that contract brings about how you're supposed to be operating. So it is also the processor's responsibility to make sure that there is a contract in place? Yes, they would want to seek the certainty that a contract would bring. So if there isn't a contract, if they go back to the controller and, and say they want something in writing that explains this, they want something there that, that it's clear what they're supposed to be doing and that gives them the opportunity to put in place um, and document how they're going to support the controller in meeting requests that come in from data subjects, uh, the processor should go back and, and try and get something put in place and make best efforts. Now, if you've got a controller that's not playing ball or vice versa, you're a controller and you've got a processor that's not playing ball, doesn't want to engage in this sort of contract, then you need to consider whether that relationship is something you want to continue because you become exposed one way or the other mm. by not having this document in place. Because there's no excuse for not having it. You can't just carry on and say, well, it's not my fault. Really, you need to be thinking about whether you want to be in the circumstance where you haven't got something in place. Now, if you if something crops up, if a complaint comes into this office and you've made best efforts to put something in place, we would take that on board. But you need to be clear that you can rely on those organisations you're working with, whichever capacity you're working in. So let's say you're either a processor or a controller, but you're not necessarily quite sure and you're just a little bit worried about this whole thing. What should you do? Seek some advice from our our website. Have a look at the contracts that you have in place. See whether they meet the requirements of the law. And feel free to pop into the office during our fortnightly drop-in sessions to seek advice from us, to have a chat about what needs to be put in place and whether there are areas where extra documentation is necessary or extra clarity needs to be provided. So just, I think I've kind of got the hang of it now, Um, you can be a processor and not a controller, and you can also be a controller and a processor. Indeed, yes. But it's clear that we must remember it's the organisation that is acting as those, and that it's not necessarily you yourself that is that processor or controller. Indeed, you might be the contact, you might be the person that we come to, you might be the person that the um, other entity deals with directly about these things. But in, as I say, in the most part, unless you're a sole trader, it's the organisation that's going to be the controller or processor. And if you're not sure, look at our website or come to our drop-ins. Indeed. Well, thank you. Thanks very much, Rachel. It's really useful to have some clarification on this. I'm sure that's going to help other people to understand what the difference is. You've certainly explained it really well. So don't forget to keep a lookout for our next podcast and listen to some of the others if you haven't already. So thanks to everyone for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.